It is Ryan Hickey here with you on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome. Appreciate you joining us on this Wednesday evening. Very excited. 20 minutes from now, Joshua Perry, tremendous college football analyst, won a national title with Ohio State back in 2014, will join us to preview a little bit of a big weekend and also talk about one head coach with one of the biggest failures in the modern era. We'll discuss that again with Joshua Perry 20 minutes from now right here on CBS Sports Radio. But I figured before that, kind of set the mood a little bit, set the tone. I want to bring up some mostly wrong, but predictions from yours truly nonetheless here uh, of some college football predictions from earlier in the preseason and assess at the halfway point. That'll be all right now with college football. How these are looking, if I had a chance to redo them, little midseason redo, who I would take. Let's start with the big one. My national championship winner. Preseason, I said USC. And obviously, from what we've seen, especially after just the shellacking Notre Dame gave them on Saturday, I need a new champion. Look, USC is a big-time disappointment. And you have one of the greatest college football quarterbacks on your team with some really good skill talent around him, with a really good and offensive, with a really good offensive mind, I'll say, in Lincoln Riley. And after year one, where, okay, you put everything together, you come close where you make the Pac-12 title game, you lose to Utah in part because Caleb Williams hurt his hamstring. No way the defense will be as bad as they were last year. Marginal increase with the defense. Caleb Williams staying healthy. Another year in the system, this USC team is going to go all the way and win the national title. And boy, defense has not improved. O-line has been a big-time concern. And Lincoln Riley is wasting right now some of Caleb Williams' greatness. It's a shame. It's frustrating. So my USC pick, I got to scrap, got to throw in the trash. Right now at the midway point, my new national title prediction is Michigan. Not a bold take, but they are right now, to me, the most well-rounded, balanced, best team in the country. Very physical on defense. Could beat you in multiple ways on offense. Again, very well-rounded. Multiple weapons. J.J. McCarthy is an experienced quarterback. And right now, you look at Georgia. Not been impressive this year. Now you lose Brock Bowers for probably the rest of the regular season bare minimum. Hopefully he's back maybe at the end of the year, but again, a question mark. Everyone heals differently from ankle surgery. So I'll say at least potentially out for the rest of the regular season. I've not been impressed with Georgia. And if they lose a game, I don't think they're making the college football playoff. So I look at Michigan. Love their defense. Offense can ground and pound, slow the game down, can win in the air as well. They, to me, right now are the most well-balanced. They, to me, midway through the year, are my new national title selection. Let's look at my preseason college football playoff predictions. Georgia, Michigan, USC, and Penn State. I just kind of hit it before, but the biggest disappointment of this, of the four picks I had, the one that definitely right now is going to be wrong, is USC. I mean, they are a major disappointment. Again, a lot of talent, completely falling on their face. Embarrassing. 
But now I have to look at that. Georgia, Michigan, USC, Penn State. How would I reassess, look at the landscape right now through the first seven weeks of the college football season and redo my, my college football playoff top four? This is what it would be. Michigan, Oklahoma, Oregon, Washington. Those are my four teams right now midway through the year who I think will make the college football playoff. Michigan, Oklahoma, Oregon, Washington. Not right now with the four best at the end of the year. Who will be the four best teams? Those are the four. Michigan, I just told you, the most well-balanced. They are, to me, offensively, defensively, the best team in the country. Oklahoma, hell of a season so far. Nice win over Texas. And their schedule is just not daunting enough. Right? I don't see anyone that's going to trip them up on their way to the Big 12 title game. And I think in a rematch, they'll beat Texas. So Oklahoma sweeps Texas. They make it to the college football playoff unblemished. And now we look at the final two teams. Oregon, Washington. Oregon is ahead of Washington because I think Oregon's running the table. It was a hell of a game they just had up there losing to Washington in, uh, in Seattle. But you look at how Oregon played that game and look at how their team is built. They are good defensively. They can run the ball and pass the ball. A lot of offense, a lot of balance, I should say, in offense. Bo Nix, who I got burned last year by trusting Bo Nix late in the season, I think can be trusted this year and has learned and is better this year compared to last year. I think Oregon is running the table. They're going to meet Washington State in the Pac-12 title game, and I think Oregon gets revenge. For how great of a game that was, and Washington won, Oregon, you could say, gave that game away with bad decision-making at times by Dan Landing. A missed, not chip shot field goal, it's college kickers after all, I get it. A missed field goal that was straight away and should have been hit. They should have won that game. Not taking anything away from Washington, they should have won that game. And frankly, Washington, I think they run the table the rest of the way, and I don't think if they are 12-0... and In the Pac-12 title game, even if they lose, they'll be left out. We saw last year two teams lose their last game of the season and still make the college football playoff. Ohio State lost to Michigan in the regular season, and TCU lost to Kansas State in the Big 12 title game. But because of how the schedule broke down and what they have done up to that point, they still made the college football playoff despite losing the last game they played in. I think the same is true for Washington. If they were on the table, which I think they will, there is no way you are leaving out a 12-1 and Washington Huskies team that has wins over Oregon at USC, right now is currently 18th, Utah, who's 14th, and at Oregon State, who's 12th. There's no way. They go 12-0, they beat USC, beat Utah, beat Oregon State, and they're in Las Vegas at 12-0, then honestly, at that point, the conference title game is irrelevant. They are making it win or loss. Because that resume is stronger than Georgia's. That Washington resume, even as a non-Power 5 champ, is stronger than Florida State's, which I don't think Florida State is going to run the table. I do think 
they're going to fall here before the regular season does come to an end. They too are living too much on the edge with being so one-dimensional with only relying on their pass game. Then I think Florida State loses a game. I think Georgia loses a game, especially now if Brock Bauer's out. And I don't think a 12-1 Georgia team, a 12-1 Florida State team, even if they win their respective conferences, are going to have a better and more impressive resume than a non-conference champ, but a 12-1 Washington. The Pac-12 conference has been the best and the deepest conference this year in college football. They should and will be rewarded for it by getting two teams in the college football playoff. So again, my midseason college football playoff prediction. Who will be making it right now based on what we've seen right now through the first seven weeks of the season? Michigan, Oklahoma, Oregon gets revenge and wins the Pac-12 title game. And then the fourth and final spot is going to Washington. SEC left out for the first time. ACC left out of the college football playoff as well. All right, let's finish up with this here before we do get to Joshua Perry. Heisman winner. My preseason pick was Caleb Williams. Again, I had USC going to the playoff. I had USC as my national title winner. And so even though we've only seen one Heisman repeat, R.G. Griffin, I thought with what Caleb Williams accomplished last year in having USC get so close to making the playoff, to break through this year, and I think still take a step, especially with losing a first-round wide receiver in Jordan Addison, but still having elite productivity, I thought would be enough to where he, even though it's so hard to win back-to-back, would have enough of a resume and have enough of a case to win the award two years in a row. But you lose to Notre Dame. I think USC is going to lose again at least one more time. Still have Washington and Oregon on the schedule, along with Utah. It's so brutal. So brutal for the Trojans. That loss to Notre Dame basically put a nail in the coffin where they're not going to run the table there. My new pick for the Heisman, Bo Nix. Bo Nix at Oregon. When we talk about the Heisman Trophy, what do we talk about? Having what? That Heisman moment. Oh, there it is. That's a Heisman moment right there, whether it's one play or whether it's one game. Usually, those Heisman moments come in the second half of the season, and usually, they come in November. No Heisman is ever won in September. No Heisman is usually ever won in uh, in October either. It is a little bit of a recency bias award, but one where games in November have greater weight and greater meaning than games in September. And look, you look at right now, Bonix. I know Oregon has a loss, but again, I think they're running the table, and I think they're going to go to the Pac-12 title game, get revenge on Washington, and make the college football playoff. You look at that loss, though, last week to Washington on the road. They didn't lose because of Bo Nix. 33 of 44, 337 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. You absolutely cannot blame the quarterback as to why the Ducks lost that game. And so, okay, you look at the loss. Okay, it wasn't his fault. He played really well on the road in a hostile environment against a top 10 team. Okay, still a positive, I think, for the Knicks-Heisman campaign compared to a negative. And you look at their schedule at number 14, Utah, home against number 18, USC, 
number 12, Oregon State, and then I think going to have a rematch in the Pac-12 title game against Washington. Four more ranked opponents on your schedule finish off the year, and how fitting would it be with the Heisman's voted for after conference championship weekend, if you are Bo Nix, if you rebound from a middle-of-October loss against Washington, beat right now the Heisman favorite in Michael Penix Jr. and get Oregon to the college football playoff while on your way to doing so, beating three other ranked opponents. Voters are going to take account for that. Voters are going to love that. And voters are going to vote for Bo Nix. That's why I think when you look at right now, through halfway through the season, who could be the Heisman Trophy winner, I don't think it's going to be Michael Penix Jr. It rarely, if ever, is the consensus guy midway through the year. This Heisman Award is an award that's usually won three, two, maybe even one week left in the season. That's where you truly come to your decision and either someone pulls away or someone really makes a statement where there's no way we can't give it to them. And even though they lost last week and Michael Penix Jr. played really well on the other side in Washington's win, running through that tough schedule still, going to Vegas and getting revenge on the one team that beat you and beating right now the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy, I think would be enough to get Bo Nix his first ever Heisman. So some picks, not so great. Some picks, halfway through the year, we had to rip up. Some we got right, but mostly, again, so far, the preseason picks compared to halfway through the year, kind of a little bit of reassessment, not great. Not great, especially for someone who put a lot of eggs in the USC basket and was let down big time. Boy, oh boy. Speaking of USC, Lincoln Riley's going to have Caleb Williams for two and a half years, right? Half a year at uh, Oklahoma, and now two years at USC. Zero college football playoff appearances. How big of a disappointment is that? On Lincoln Riley, uh, Lincoln Riley's resume. And you look at the big game of the weekend, Penn State, Ohio State. Is it crazy to say the Nittany Lions right now are the better team going to that matchup? We'll discuss those questions and more with, with a man who knows a little thing about winning. 2014 National Champ does a tremendous job now for Peacock as well, covering uh, the Big Ten and, and all of college football. Joshua Perry on the show next. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Speaking of giving opinions, we will get some from our next guest. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. We go out to the hotline and welcome a very smart man who knows a thing or two about winning as part of the 2014 national title team at Ohio State. You can watch him on NBC Sports as part of the Big Ten College Countdown. Also check him out, The Rally, on Ballet Sports. It is Joshua Perry. What's up, Joshua? How you doing, man? Hello, Joshua. Okay, we don't got him just yet. Don't worry. That's not where the interview ends, or really starts, I should say. We will reconnect and try to get Joshua all hooked up and ready to go here in a moment. But this is something. Oh, Joshua, you got us? Yes, I got you now. There he is. What's going on, man? Appreciate the time. Let's get personal right away. You are an Ohio State champ. 
I am a Penn State alum. Let's get this right going here, right away here. Big one of the weekend. Is it crazy to say, am I being a homer, Joshua, and thinking Penn State in this specific matchup is a better team on Saturday compared to Ohio State? I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. Um, I feel like Penn State certainly has less questions, less holes on their roster. Um, you know, offensive line's much improved. I think Drew Aller definitely has a, a, another level that we saw a little bit against West Virginia, haven't really seen since. Uh, I know they're trying to wake up the running game, but we know what those guys are, no doubt. Um, wide receiver, maybe a little bit more of a question yep. for Penn State. When I look at that defense, I'm like, dad, on, man. Those guys are flying around. Manny Diaz brings the pressure from everywhere. They got true cover guys in the back end. When you flip it over to Ohio State, maybe a little bit more of a question at quarterback. Offensive line is a question. Running backs have been banged up. Wide receivers, I mean, they're, they're looking really good as a group, and they've brought in some depth a little bit there, too. And the defense has improved. They don't have the sack numbers necessarily, but they get the pressures. They're disruptive on the inside. The back end looks much better. It feels like less questions about Penn State, so it's not crazy to say that they would be the better team on Saturday, but we, we know how this thing has gone a little bit, and Ohio State's been able to cover up holes in the past, and I think that's where people who are leaning Ohio State still think they might be able to gain an edge. And you bring up a good point. Lead me to my next question, Joshua, and that's this. right? The history where Penn State's played Ohio State tough, but they've lost 10 out of the last 11. They have not beaten them since 2016. They have not beaten them in the shoe since 2011. It's been a, an Ohio State-dominated rivalry, especially the last decade or so. Who, Which coach thing has more pressure to win this season? Is it James Franklin to beat Ohio State, or is it Ryan Day later in the year to beat Michigan? I think it's Ryan Day, like, I'll ask this question. If James Franklin does not win this game on Saturday, will there be national narratives about him in his job security at Penn State? I'm sure that people will be displeased, right? I'm, I'm sure that there will be some people in Happy Valley who will be maybe rumbling, right? You can't win the big one, bring out the record versus top 10 teams. You mentioned the record versus Ohio State. Right. Right. I, I think if Ryan Day loses to Michigan in Ann Arbor, third straight year, regardless of all the success he's had, there will be people nationally who are questioning whether he is the right guy to lead the Ohio State Buckeyes. And I think that's the difference there. So make no doubt about it. Like, ton of pressure. I think this would be a, a huge legacy-type game for a guy like James Franklin, and specifically considering that we feel like this is the best iteration of Penn State we've seen under him. But, I mean, just the way things have gone for Ohio State with, with the last two years getting blown out against Michigan, I feel like that's the game that would set people off. We're talking to Joshua Perry, 2014 national champion of Ohio State, now does a great job on NBC Sports covering the Big Ten and all college football. See, like, I think it's, to me, James Franklin, because, like, if you are Ryan Day, I get the pressure, right? But he's 51-6 and six at Ohio State. He's gotten them to a national title game. He's made the college football playoff multiple times. And, Joshua, if Ohio State wins on Saturday, let's say loses to Michigan for a third straight year, a lot of people are going to be upset, right, in Buckeye country for sure, but you look at the resume, win at Notre Dame, and now win over Penn State, two top 10 teams, there's still a pretty high chance you can make the college football playoff. I get, again, you want to beat Michigan, but at the end of the day, you're playing for a national championship. I, like, are people going to be really that upset where they're calling for his job? If, sure, you lose to Michigan, but for the second year in, year in a row, you lose to Michigan, but you're still in the college football playoff. We kind of saw it a little bit last year. Like, people after the Michigan game and even after, you know, the, the final playoff bracket was announced, were like, Ryan Day is not the guy. And it's, it, I think it's crazy. I think it's absolute lunacy. Um, when I was at Ohio State, we went 50-4 and four in four years. 50 wins, four losses over a four-year span. National championship included in that. 
but really it was only one Big Ten championship. It was only one national title. We lost a Big Ten championship game in 13. We lost to Michigan State. The last game I ever played in the shoe in 15, which, which kept us out of the conference championship game, kept us out of the college football playoff. Um, you know, you can look at Urban Meyer and what he did in 2016, got blown out in the playoffs by Clemson 31 to nothing. You can look at 2017 with the Cotton Bowl, 2018 his final year with the Rose Bowl. Feels like a lot of underachieving for all the wins that went on there, if we're going to be completely honest. And I'm not trying to knock my guy Urban. I love him to death, mm-hmm. right? But it's it just like if you, you take the amount of wins that he had while he was at Ohio State and consider that there was only one national title in there, right? Like it, But he beat Michigan seven times. He beat them seven times, seven and oh. And so people didn't really give a damn. And I think for Ryan Day, like the record, you're right. It's ridiculous. You've been to the college football playoff three times. You won a semifinal game, appeared in national championship in 2020. You're a field goal away against Georgia, yeah. right? Like, and people still question because he is one and two against Michigan, whether he's the guy for the job. I agree with you in the idea that the goal of the program is to be nationally relevant at the end of the year, compete for a championship. He did that even though he lost to Michigan a year ago. People don't want to see it that way. Urban set the standard way too high before Ryan, and now this is where we're at. It is, yeah, it is bizarre world to say the least in some instances, Joshua, that's for sure. You almost feel, a little, honestly, as a Penn Stater myself, feel a little bit bad for Ryan Day with all he's accomplished, and still it's like not good enough. It is absolutely crazy. Speaking of which, actually brings me to another coach I want to talk about in terms of underachieving. How much of a disappointment is it for Lincoln, Riley, and USC in your mind where you get smoked by Notre Dame, the, the Pac-12 is a gauntlet, I'm going to assume right now they're going to at least trip up another time along the way, so I'm just going to preemptively put USC out of the college football playoff. If you're Lincoln Riley, I know it was a half a year at Oklahoma, but yet a half a year at Oklahoma, now two years with, with Caleb Williams at USC, zero college football playoff appearances. Not like hot seat pressure, but it's like how big of a disappointment is that if you're just a general college football fan that, frankly, Lincoln Riley wasted one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in the last 15 years? Yeah, the Lincoln-Riley thing is, is kind of crazy to me. And I, I think that they probably still got two more losses out there on their schedule with the way that it ramps up uh, toward the end of the year here. But, um, you know, I was in South Bend for that game last week against Notre Dame. I was super excited. I'm like, I'm going to get to watch Caleb Williams, probably my first and only time to watch him in a college uniform, and I'll get to see it in person. So I stayed down on the field for the first drive of the game, and he threw that interception. I'm like, man, that's crazy. I don't even get to see, like, the, the good version <laughs> of Caleb Williams. Right, and so – um, I look at Lincoln Riley, and I, I, I don't want to say it's a failed experiment because I feel like that's jumping to conclusions here. Um, but you mentioned the track record. At Oklahoma, great quarterbacks, great offense, bad defense. USC has been a lot of the same. Hasn't made the change on the defensive side of the ball. What it feels like to me is an offensive coordinator that is masquerading as a head coach. He doesn't do the head coach thing. Like There comes a certain point where he's got to say, okay, I know what my offense is. I put my signature on that, but I am doing a disservice to my, pro- my program by not building an elite defense to go alongside this offense or even an average serviceable defense to go along with this offense. And I, until he does that and makes it a priority and a point of emphasis, I still think Lincoln Riley is basically an offensive coordinator that somebody decided they wanted to pay $10 million to. Truly criminal, honestly. With such a talent of Caleb Williams, who knows we'll see you know, another kind of quarterback like him come back around and like I said, just not even make a college football playoff. Forget a national championship, just college football playoff with a half-decent defense, and now this year, too, a bad offensive line just being even average. It is really disappointing. We're talking to Joshua Perry, 
won a national title with Ohio State back in 2014. Now does tremendous work for NBC Sports covering college football in the Big Ten. Let me ask you this, Joshua. Um, Alabama is a team that I was not high on coming to the year, mm-hmm. but I still feel like I can't figure out where they are playing better. But it's not like they're playing great, where even in some of the games they're winning, they're skating by. But it's sort of a – it is – no, it is a down year for the SEC – is this an upset alert game as they do host now Tennessee? Or is this a season where you kind of look at the rest of the SEC, even though Alabama had an L early, they'll still probably be in Atlanta at the end of the year? Yeah, the Alabama thing I'm still trying to figure out. And I'm, I'm with you, right? Early on in the year, I'm like, man, you know, they, they brought in the transfer quarterback after spring. I'm like, they don't believe in this. Yes. Milrow guy. And, you know, we saw him a little bit last year and it wasn't very good. Um, I'm like, you know, but their offensive line should be good. And I think they're talented, but at times they, they, they don't play like a, a group, if that makes sense. Um, wide receivers had not been productive. Like, that was a, a spot where I said there's going to be a question mark there. I'm like, they're going to be good on defense. Though. Like, I know they're going to be good on defense. They've been pretty good on that side of the football this year. Um, so I look at Alabama as a team that I will never really close the book on. I'm not going to say that Saban's cooked and they can't make the playoff. Like, I would be an idiot because we've seen this <laughs> enough times to know that it ain't over until it's over for Alabama. Um, it does feel like they're, they're playing with one hand tied behind their back, though, because their offense is so predicated on the deep passing attack. Um, anything outside of that, they certainly struggled with. And it puts a lot of pressure on a defense that I think is a great unit, uh, generates a lot of pressure, can, can really get sticky in coverage on the back end. Uh, against Tennessee, we know this is a rivalry game. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sold on Tennessee. I, I still think it's a little bit fraudulent there. They're a different team than they were, no doubt, um, with Joe Milton at quarterback, and they're trying to run the football more. I think they're trying to lean on their defense, and I'm not convinced that They've got everything fixed on that side of the football, um, you know, compared to last year uh, where they were a bad unit. Um, I think Alabama, I, w- I would say that they're going to win this football game. Um, I would say that they would be able to go toe-to-toe with a team like LSU down the line because LSU is mm-hmm. so bad on defense, yeah. and I think they would have enough uh, to slow down that explosive LSU offense, and they're probably going to be in the conference championship game because that's just what Bama does. Let me ask you this then, Joshua. Who has a better chance to make the college football playoff this year? Is it Georgia now without Brock Bowers for seemingly maybe the next month? Or is it Alabama? Man, that's a good question. So the Georgia thing, I I, I don't want to sound like a guy who's hating on the two-time champs, right? We know they're talented. I, I think Kirby is a phenomenal coach. And, and um, you know, I can't say enough good things about the way that he's built that. It doesn't feel like what the last two teams felt like. Um, they haven't necessarily been convincing except for the, the Kentucky game. Um, <laughs> and I look at them now without Brock Bowers, who, who really had to save the day against Auburn, and I say, okay, what is this team going to do if they actually do get in a little bit of trouble? Um, I also look to the comment that he made, and this is what I've been harping on. And I've never really heard Kirby like this before, but he was like, you know, every team in the SEC deserves to be ranked because there are a lot of teams nationally who wouldn't want them on their schedule. And I'm like, Coach, that doesn't sound like yeah. super confident. Coach, it sounds a little bit like a coach because you know your team is going to struggle through their schedule. All that to say, um, it would be wild, but it feels like Alabama, if if they can continue to find ways to develop Milro down the line while still being explosive down the field, uh, with with the loss of Brock Bowers, I I just I think it's going to be difficult um, 
I just think it's going to be difficult for for Georgia to get the job done this year. I want to disagree with you, Joshua, because, again, I was not high in Alabama whatsoever this season. But, honestly, I, I, halfway through the year, I'm with you because Georgia's not been impressive whatsoever. Frankly, I think it's kind of a joke that right now they're sitting there at number one still in the AP poll. It's ridiculous. I mean, they've played no one. They've not played or looked impressive while doing so either. But it's one of those, I think, uh, partly biased where if you don't lose, you're still going to be there, number one. Anyway, last question I want to ask you here is this. We kind of talked about this early in the show. Going off of Colorado blowing their 29-0 lead against Stanford now, and you're sitting there at four and three with a tough schedule remaining. If they if they don't, if Colorado I should say does not make a bowl game from a player perspective, the foreign player that you are, Joshua Perry, does that undermine at all what Dion has done at Colorado in year number one, or not at all? I think yes and no, right? I've I've gone so back and forth on this idea of uh, what Dion's done. It's been remarkable. I think to be able to get the TV numbers that he's gotten, to be able to market that program, sell out the stadium coming off of a uh, one-win season, like all of those things I think are valid. The, the improvements that they've made as a program I do think are valid. I'm also a guy who will stop saying that, oh, this is the team that only won a game a year ago. It's not. It's not the same team. It's not the same coaching staff. A majority of those players were not there. It's the same program that is not the same team. Um, and so I think now that we've kind of gotten our, away from that a little bit, I, I judge this team individually on things that are positive, things that are negative. The positives, you have great skill players, wide receiver, quarterback in Shador. You got Travis Hunter who's going both ways for you. You got to get that figured out because I don't think that's sustainable. Um, yes. You know, like they've, they've really done a good job of bringing in premium athletes. Where I think I'm going to continue to judge this program and what Dion does in program building is number one, I don't think you can continue with the constant turnover because it's just hard to build um, it's hard to build continuity in the locker room. Like he he won't he won't be able to go next year if he brings in, you know, thirty to forty new players and say, Do you guys remember what happened against Stanford last year? Because they're gonna be like, hell no, coach, we don't remember because we weren't here. That's a really hard place to be. The other thing is can they develop the trenches? And I don't think that is a transfer portal solution. Um, because they're not a, a portal destination for offensive linemen, clearly. I think they're going to have to recruit their tails off, uh, get high school kids in, and develop them. So um, I, don't, I wouldn't say I undermine what happened to Colorado this year if they do not make a bowl game, because this has been a remarkable thing to watch. But now we, we have the opportunity to move the standard for them, because right. this, this is a different thing than what we thought it may have been or what it was before. And now we have to say, what can Dion do better to build an actual program now? Right, and expectations, I think, do change as results come in. You start off hot 3-0, and and I think part of that, too, is now you kind of sell one thing, and now all of a sudden kind of the bottom falls out. And it does have to be accountability for there, uh, for that as well. All right, man who won a national title with Ohio State. You could catch him now on NBC Sports doing a great job on Big Ten College Countdown, also on the rally on Valley Sports. Joshua Perry, thanks so much for the time, man. Really do appreciate it. Always good when I get to chat with you. Take care. Likewise. Joshua, I think, made us all smarter. He brings a really good perspective. I want to hit on and circle back to one thing he said when it comes to Penn State, Ohio State. Who is more pressure to win on Saturday? Is it, or in general, I should say this season, is it James Franklin to beat Ohio State finally? Or is it Ryan Day to get over the Michigan hump right now that is He's held him down the last two years. Max Scherzer is such a postseason fraud. It's Ryan Hickey with you here on CBS Sports Radio. Maybe that's just the jilted lover in me of a Mets, as a Mets fan, getting excited about Max Scherzer coming to the team last year and him melting and wilting down the stretch. 
But it's 4 nothing Astros right now going to the bottom of the third inning. Scherzer after a nice, easy 1-2-3 first. Lit up right now for four runs. Jose Altuve has his 25th career postseason home run. Astros right now cruising. And what is a must-win game for them? Right, You're down 2-0 in the series. You're on the road. You lose tonight. The series is over. You're not coming back down 3-0. Um, that's for sure. They need to win tonight. And they got the blessing of what is in re- recent times ago. I'm not going to kill the man's career. He's been very good in the postseason. In just recent years, the last two or three years, Max Scherzer in the postseason has not been very good. Living up to that, again, recent uh, kind of name now tonight, yet again at home. 4 nothing Astros, Game 3 ALCS right now in Arlington, Texas. I want to circle back to one thing Joshua Perry did, uh, did just say as he joined us right here on CBS Sports Radio 20 minutes ago, if that, 15 minutes ago. About who needs a win more? Is it James Franklin against Ohio State or is it Ryan Day against Michigan? I think to me it's James Franklin. This is a guy who, to his credit, has built Penn State up right now to be on that second tier. They routinely and consistently on that tier number two. But they have yet to break through and get to that upper tier. They have yet to break through and make a college football playoff or consistently beat Michigan and or Ohio State. Since 2014, Franklin has beat Ohio State just one time. 2016. Not one since. They played them tight. Lost some close games. But has not yet beat the Buckeyes once since 2016. And again, has done so once now since 2014 in his career at Penn State. Look, the, the as a Penn State fan, the goal and the, the measuring stick are the Buckeyes. You got to beat them. And for Franklin, he has shown you no problem. He can beat Maryland. He can beat Wisconsin. He can beat Michigan State. But when it comes to the big boys in the Big Ten, Ohio State and Michigan, he has struggled to routinely beat those two teams, especially when those two teams are up. He's beaten bad Michigan teams before, no problem. Smoked a few bad Michigan teams. But Michigan has been at a high level in 2016, in 2021, in 2022. Hasn't beat them. He needs this win on Saturday. He needs a win over Ohio State on Saturday more than Ohio State, uh, more than Ryan Day needs a win over Michigan. I don't get the Ryan Day dislike, dismay, anxiousness from the Ohio State fan base. I don't get it. The guy is 51 and 6. He has made, since taking over in 2019, the college football playoff three different times. And has made a national championship team, uh, national championship game. We talk about Penn State not breaking through to make the college football playoff. The only thing Ryan Day has not broken through yet is to win a national title. Not like, you know, there's 15 coaches in college football that have done that. It is really hard to win a national championship. And so for all the success he's had, I don't understand why Buckeyes fans put more stock in a Michigan game over winning a championship. Look, I get rivalries. I get Michigan is the big one on the schedule. I get it's so heated, you don't even say their name. The school up north. I understand that. What I don't understand is prioritizing one game and one team over winning a national championship. If I was an Ohio State fan, you gave me two options. You say, Ryan, behind door A, 
You can beat Michigan. You can smoke Michigan. Name the score. That's what's going to happen. But you don't win the Big Ten. But you don't make the college football playoff. But you don't win a national title that year. That's story. Beat Michigan, no national championship, no college football playoff. Behind door B, you lose to Michigan. You lose to the Wolverines, but you still make the college football playoff. And that year, damn it, you win the national title. Which would you rather take? Which door are you opening? Door A, beat Michigan, no national championship. Door B, lose to Michigan, still though win the national championship. I'm going through door B. If you give me 100 opportunities, 100 out of 100. I don't care. A national championship is more important than beating your arch rival. It is. Hanging banners are more important than adding right now to a record. You don't hang banners for beating Michigan. You don't put years on the uh, on the stadium for years of teams that beat Michigan. You put years on the stadium for teams that win national championships. And there is, and you kind of heard Joshua Perry say it, as a former Buckeye player, even say he doesn't understand the hate for Ryan Day, the doubt for Ryan Day, and why some fans, frankly, are prioritizing a win over Michigan versus winning a national championship. Makes no sense. Again, I get college football rivalries are different. That's why I love the sport. They are different. There are different barometers to call your season a success without winning a national championship. But for Ohio State, where the standard is national title or bust, I can't see a situation where I would ever say as a fan myself, I would rather beat my rival and not win a national championship versus lose to them and that year still win a ring. The national championship still takes precedent. For me, and for most fans it should, over beating your arch rival no matter how hated they are. Ryan Day's not going to get fired. I mean, James Franklin's not getting fired at Penn State. Ryan Day's not going to get fired at Ohio State if he beats Penn State, but then loses to Ohio State. Hell, he could lose to Penn State and lose to Michigan. He's not getting fired. Someone, though, who is getting fired and is going to get a whole lot of money to do it is Jimbo Fisher. The Athletic this week put out a report from Bruce Feldman that the Aggies absolutely will pay the money if the season doesn't turn around fast enough and pay Jimbo Fisher. You ready for this? $76 million to buy out his contract and not coach the Aggies in 2024 and beyond. Let me tell you this. That's the dream. The dream is not to be the best of your profession. The dream is to be good enough at your profession where you get paid an insane salary and then get fired and get that money not to work. Texas A&M, I think it's going to happen, by the way. I would. I think it's the right move. Jimbo's going to get fired. But imagine being Jimbo Fisher. Texas A&M, your employer hand you a $76 million check and says, please don't come to work for us anymore. 
That's a life. That's the dream. That right there is what we call the American dream. Endless bank account, no job to go to. Jimbo, enjoy retirement, buddy. But he absolutely should be fired. He should have been fired last year. And I'm honestly shocked he wasn't. With that talent you have on the roster, when you go five and seven, I don't care what your buyout number is. I think last year was like $86 million, I believe was the number. It's like $9 million a year it goes down, if I do the math correctly. That's still, if I'm an uh, Aggies fan, I know it's not my money, but if I'm a donor, that I would consider money well spent. Because Jimbo is not a good coach. He won a national championship, now he's forgot how to coach. He's not had AM really close outside of the pandemic year, and we've seen a lot of wacky results where teams came out of nowhere to be good and not have been good since. Bad teams had rough years, have rebounded nicely. Jimbo's not a good coach. He is going to get fired by AM at the end of the year, and it's the right move. All right, when we return here, it's Ryan Hickey with you on CBS Sports Radio. The New York Jets are getting a lot of love through the first six weeks uh, six weeks of the season. Which team in your mind is getting too much love through six games? I'll tell you next. It's Ryan Hickey on CBS Sports Radio. 